Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Hello, good morning, and welcome back to the Different Knock Preview Podcast, the latest spin-off show from your favourite Arsenal-based podcast. And I am absolutely delighted to say that I have Chris from Evermore Newcastle United Football Club, uh, the podcast on Twitter, which which they, well, the podcast isn't on Twitter. They lovely responded to me very uh, early yesterday. And we're, we're going to have a chat, a quick chat, all things Newcastle this morning. Uh, how are you, mate? Lovely to meet you. Yes, I'm really good, Brad. Thanks for having us on, mate. Really, really excited to have a chat with you about Newcastle. We love talking about them, mate. We never get sick and tired of that. So uh, it should be good. As as I can absolutely imagine with the newfound life in the club. And uh, it will be uh, quite quite um, uh, quite a pleasure to you, I think, to tell you the, the little story about how I became an Arsenal fan. So my dad's a Sunderland fan. Not connected Ooh. to Sunderland in any way. I think he watched them win that cup final. Um, uh, God, what, 50, 60 years ago? <laughs> 50, yeah, 40 years ago or whatever. And then took me to my first uh, game, which was Arsenal-Sunderland. Arsenal absolutely battered him and I became an Arsenal fan. So there we go. Uh, and at least, Yeah, and at least I've <laughs> sa- saved myself years of pain down in League One. Um, but we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about all things the tune. And what an absolute change that has happened over the last six months. Uh, No team has ever gone so long without winning a game and survived in the Premier League. And now you look just as likely to finish at the top half. I I can't put into words the job that Eddie Howe's done. Uh, It's been absolutely sensational. And I was at the Newcastle game at the Emirates uh, back when... I think it was still Big Brucey. Oh yes, probably and the good old days. I I just it was the 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 one word that popped into my head watching that game was apathetic. It was so just nonchalantly lethargic, and what a change around from the the life that now seems to be inside your club. It is, Brad. To be honest, it, it's it's night and day. It really is. I mean. Um, you know, uh, the, the boys in the, the podcast are season ticket holders. I'm sadly not, but I, I get to quite a lot of games. And, and I'd went to the, the, the Spurs game, you know, uh, much much to your chagrin, those guys those guys down the road at the start of the season, which obviously the takeover had happened and the atmosphere was electric. But with Bruce on the sideline, it was just like a, it was almost like a, akin to those Dementors and Harry Potter that sucked all the life out of the of the building. It was uh, just his presence. I mean, he, he became so toxic. He, be, he became just this, 
manifestation of the Ashley regime, even though he, you know, unfortunately for Steve Bruce, he was the last manager of the Ashley regime. There'd been a lot of, you know, real rubbish managers across the last 14, 15 years. But I think with Steve Bruce, weirdly enough, even though he was a Geordie, he, he seemed to just have this knack of of not just demotivating the players, but really winding up the Newcastle fan base as well, with every single word that just fell out of his face. He didn't even speak them, but they just fell out of his face. And it was it was horrendous, it really was. Um, I think the players in general, um, it was pretty clear that they'd just completely given up on the guy, Brad. You know, and When you're playing against a young, vibrant Arsenal team, which you guys have become... Um, they were just passing by them. It was almost like when you know the old guy comes and plays five a side and he can't keep up with the young lads. It was kind of like that. But you were talking about professional footballers, so you're totally right. The the change yeah. from that to this, um, you know, even with some of the same players, is 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 practically unrecognisable. It's great to hear a, a, another fan speak Eddie Howe, you know, speak so highly about Eddie Howe and talk him up because there's, there's so much salt out there at the moment towards the club. And I think the Arsenal fans in particular have been quite decent towards Newcastle and it's great to hear you give Eddie Howe his, uh, his props, mate, because he, he really deserves it. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. And funnily enough, uh, my co-host uh, on the on our kind of post-match podcast, Alex, is from Bournemouth, so knows Eddie quite well. <laughs> and we had a chat off pod about Newcastle and I said you were down. I was like... And I was like, this is no besmirching on Eddie Howe or any of the money that could be spent in January. I just thought the damage was done. And Alex, I think he bet me something like 20 quid that Eddie Howe will keep them up and win a trophy within three years or something. And I was like, that is going to be the easiest money I'll ever make. And I'm already, I'm already 50% down. So <laughs> we've just got to hope no trophies come in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's like you say, it is night and day. It's almost like you are a completely new club and listen, I I know from watching a lot of football over my life how fervent the Geordie support is and how wretched the Ashley management and years have been, you know, going from the days of, of Kevin Keegan and, and coming second in the league to, to United and to other clubs to two or three relegations and looking like a, a third or a fourth. It's, it's unbelievable, the tumble. And I, I think... One of the reasons that Arsenal fans probably have been so decent is that we see a, a bit of ourselves in that, in the in the tumble from, you know, uh, a once monolith of a club winning titles to nearly becoming mid-table mediocrity if we hadn't kind of sorted our shit out. <laughs> but to get more into the kind of granular details of things, obviously, Brucey Ball... I can't really, there was no questions to ask you on it. It was kind of 11 players on the pitch and and let's hope. What are the main things that you're now seeing from this group of players other than the revelation of Joe Linton at central midfield that has turned you from, you know, bottom of the league to, to I think, the second most informed team in the country? I'd love to have said I saw the Joe Litton transformation coming, but I don't think anybody anybody could have seen that, Brad, to be honest with you. Like the guy was dead and buried as a footballer in many people's eyes, even Newcastle fans. But I, th- I think the main thing, we've talked about this on our show, and, and Mark, my, my kind of... Um, co-host on the on the Evermore podcast he, he's a great stat man he's he's our stat man and it's it's the fitness really Brad if anything it's the it's the work ethic that they put in I mean the that you know we're quite outside of probably Bruno Gomeres in, in St Maximin we don't have ridiculously talented footballers but what Eddie Howe has done is he's managed to turn these guys who are, are all right footballers you know steady away maybe mid-table type players but he's managed to, to get a better tune out of them because of the fitness and the and the focus and the kind of 
the discipline in his play. I mean, that's a little bit why St Maximin is kind of a little bit of an enigma at the moment with, with the fan base. But I think because Eddie Howe, the first images we saw of Eddie Howe when he came in was on the training ground with a whistle, shouting, you know, running around. He didn't do any press or anything. He went straight on the training ground. And that speaks volumes of the man. Whereas, you know, Steve Bruce was giving them Friday off to go play golf or go in the boozer or whatever what he was doing or you know five aside and you know a game of spot or something like that you know but it just, it was so obvious that this was a modern day manager you know steeped in the knowledge of, of all the modern day kind of footballing procedures and, and coaching you know methodology and everything else he's travelled the world since he left Bournemouth he's, he's taken in bits from other managers and other clubs you know Simeone Atletico he went to Chelsea everything else so this is a manager who who wants to improve himself. Where Steve Bruce was a manager from the archaic times of you know long ball, you know four four two Mike Bassett style management, you know, and it just it, I just think that that level of manager doesn't belong in the top level game at all anyway, you know. So I think mainly with Eddie Howe, it's, it's fitness, it's focus, and I think it's belief as well. Brad, to be honest with you, the players believe in what they can do, and I think the Joe Litton thing's an interesting one. Steve Bruce would never have seen this guy in training or something and go, do you know what? He could do a job in midfield where Eddie Howe spotted that. He put him back there in the Norwich game when Kieran Clark was horrendous in his challenge and got a red card. It was almost, we should thank Kieran Clark really for turning Joe Litton into the next uh, Patrick Vieira really because if he hadn't got set off, he probably, probably wouldn't have went there. But but Eddie Howe had the, you know, had the foresight to spot that and put him there and he's never looked back. So yeah, I think that's the main thing I would say Eddie Howe's brought to the team, bro. Amazing, amazing. And, you know, it's, I think also we owe, like, I, I know that there are some decent players, but some of the players that you're managing to do this with are honestly abominable. Emil Kraft. <laughs> oh God, yes. <laughs> like the fact that Jamal Lascelles is still a, a Premier League centre-back, some of these things just, just baffle me. And the fact that, you know, not only has he dragged you from rock bottom of the league to nearly in the top half is you know, massive credit to the work that's going on. And I guess on more of like a tactical side, what should Arsenal fans worry about from this new found Newcastle? What are you doing that's now different to what you were once doing? What should we look out for? I think the biggest thing, and a lot of people have commented on this when you watch Match of the Day and Sky, and now the pundits are taking a bit more of an interest in Newcastle because we actually have tactics and we actually look like we're doing something as opposed to just winging it under Bruce. But I think the big thing that we do is is the pressure. You know, when we lose the ball or we don't have the ball, there's two or three around around another player. So, you know, you have some great ball players like Savodin Garden, and, you know, Saka and guys like that. Smith Rowe, you know, in the past that you, you made reference to that previous game, we would have stood off and let Smith Rowe have one, two, three touches, hit a one, two, make a, make a run. That won't happen now. You'll have Bruno in his face. You'll have Joe Linton in his face. You'll have, you know, maybe potentially Kraft will, will have some support on the right-hand side with Almiron. You know, they, they hunt in packs. They go after players in numbers. Whereas in the past, there was too much of, I don't know if respect's the right word. I just think it was the... They didn't quite know what to do. You know, they just kind of stood back and they thought, well, uh, oh, well, someone will tackle them. Uh, someone will tackle them. And then before you knew it was in the back of the net and you think, oh, Jesus. Okay, fair enough then. And it just happened again and again and again. So mm. I think the 
in terms of the press, you know, certainly in the midfield, we've got a lot of energy in there. You, you mentioned Joe Linton, he just never stops running. Um, you know, Bruno has that bit of quality about him as well, which uh, I'm still I'm still completely in disbelief we signed that guy, to be honest with you. I know you guys were after him as well, and I thought he was going to Arsenal, to be honest with you. But um, he's a great player, you know, very, very composed on the ball, um, very, very good in terms of he can play in multiple positions across the midfield. So I think, and he relishes playing against better players. He's, even though we got battered by City, he didn't look like he was out of his depth against the City midfield, you know. So I think he'll be up for this game under the lights at St James's, you know, against some some of the best young midfielders in the world, really. Um, so I think he'll definitely be up for that. But <clears throat> for me, it's the it's the it's that press. It's certainly we have more of a focus, more of a structure. Whereas under Bruce, it was just get the ball to the maximum. Whereas I think a lot more players get involved now in the play, and I'm very excited to see potentially if he starts Callum Wilson start because. You know, we, we've said it about Chris Wood in our podcast. God bless him. He's never worth 25 million quid. Um, he's a bit of a lump. Uh, he's got very, very limited mobility. But I think you saw a little bit of that when Wilson came on at the weekend. He made that run and, and Bruno found him. And I think, you know, another week's training under his belt, a little bit of that match sharpness back against City. You know, Wilson could maybe cause you guys some threat as well in behind with, with some good passes from Bruno. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how we how we stand up against you, mate. Especially with our, you know, injury injury concerns at the moment. You know, we're not yes, we're not sure what centre backs we're going to have on the pitch. If I'm totally honest, um, but we'll we'll come on to that a little bit later. That yeah, that's going to be really really interesting to see. I mean, Chris Wood, I guess, is a bit more of a trying to cut Burnley off at the knees type deal, which didn't seem to matter anyway because it looks like Leeds are going down. So you know, it does, kind of it? Yeah. lucked out a bit there, and. Finally, on, on this section, Alanson Maxman, you mentioned him earlier, a bit of a polarising character, obviously got some great ability as a footballer. But with the move from a one-man team to a, a very compact, tight unit playing tactical squad-based football, does he still have a place? Or do you move him on? You know, it's great to have a maverick but are you too early in your kind of building phase to keep that maverick? It's an interesting question, Brad. We asked the same question on our show as well on Wednesday. Certainly after that interview, he didn't do himself any favours. I know he said it was lost in translation. He did an interview, if he didn't see it, where he said to French media, when I get better players around me who can finish my chances, basically, I'll get 10 to 15 more assists a season. So he kind of potentially... You know, it disrupted the unity that Eddie Howe's been building in that squad. He was very quick to to apologise. That's the quickest I've ever seen him track back, to be honest with you. So uh, that that statement, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of a silly move. You know, very similar to Lukaku, I think, early in the season when he did his interview. But I mean, going back to Sir Maximin as as a player, I think um, it's good comparisons with Bruno. There's one thing that Bruno has that Sir Maximin doesn't have, and that's consistency. Bruno always looks like he's going to have a decent game. Even when, you know, you're getting beat 5-0, he looks like he's having a half-decent game. Whereas St. Maximin is either brilliant or he's really frustrating. There's no middle area for St. Maximin. He's, he's got undoubted ability. There's no question about that. You know, when he's running at you full speed, I'm sure there's no defender in the league that wants to see that because he, he's so dangerous. He's going left, he's going right. You know, he's, he's, he's got quick feet. He, you know, he's a free kick or a penalty just waiting to happen, really. Uh, if you put your leg out one way or the other. Um, so, yes, he's a brilliant player. But we had this debate, and it's a tricky one, Brad, really, because 
I don't know if we're, we're so far along the line that we'll get a better player potentially to go into that position. But for me, I've always stood by this. If we can get a player who can play that position and has more dedication and more discipline and focus to what Eddie Howe's trying to do, uh, I would move him on. I really would. I mean, I'm not sure where he would go outside of this project. You know, would he go to an Arsenal? I don't know if Arsenal would go from. Would he go to West Ham? Would he go to Spurs? Maybe would he go to Everton? Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know if he would be... But he certainly wouldn't be as adored as he has been here, and he certainly wouldn't be maybe in as exciting of a project as he has as he is potentially going to be here. So I think there's a little bit of his ego has to maybe be reined in a little bit, and and he has to understand that he's got to do what the manager wants him to do. But I'm not sure he's got that in him. I think he he just when he gets on the pitch, he just it's a little bit like a spreer. People have liked the Tino spreer from years ago, where you just got no idea what he's going to do. He could sit in the dressing room beforehand and he'd go right. You're doing that great. He goes on the pitch and does something completely different. So uh, yeah, I'm not sure is the answer. I'm sitting on the fence a bit. But if we moved him on for no, better, I wouldn't be upset, mate. I wouldn't be upset if we had a better player coming in. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I, I, I mean, I'm going to make one more talking point in this section. Um, so finally, now. £90 million in January. There's been a lot of talk about this. And I kind of want to hash this out is the wrong phrase, but I don't think you guys spent a lot of money in the summer, did you? No, we didn't, no. no. For context, Arsenal spent 140, I think, 140 in the summer, somewhere around that. And obviously people are are kind of going, well, £90 in January, that's what's kept them up. (laughs) 90 million in January to go from dead bottom of the league to nearly finishing in the top half is, you know, 90 million pounds in football is pittance. It's, it's, it's two or three half decent players in Chris Wood's case, it's two legs and a brain and kind of some planks (laughs) of woods in between. So, you know, I I wonder what your opinion is on that because it's always baffled me that people have labeled this all down to the money spent. If you look at the players that have come in and, and the job that's now being done, it's, you know, it's definitely not just the fact. And £90 million, pounds, it, it's not a lot of money, you know. It's Nicola Pepe and, and you know, another, another you know, Lord knows who else. But I wonder what your opinion is on that. And do you think the, do you think the big spending will continue? Do you think you're coming in for a, for a large summer? Or do you think you'll play this, the, the kind of understated route? Yeah, I mean, on the 90 million, I think a lot of it's salt, to be honest with you, by a lot of people. I think that, you know, they didn't seem to care when Newcastle were massively underfunded by Mike Ashley and massively under-supported in every transfer window when we were getting the likes of uh, Shefty Kuchian loan and these kind of guys and, you know, Salam. It was Salamani from Leicester who couldn't kick his own arse. You know, they they weren't bothered about that. But, you know, I think it, it, it all ties into the the potential threat and the worry that what Newcastle could become. You know, Newcastle fans are very, we're very pragmatic and realistic that we just want to compete. We don't want to win the league next season or be in the top four even next season. You know, we we want to just establish ourselves as a top 10 club. But I think when you look at the 90 million in isolation, you know, 40 million of it was Bruno. Um, you know, which which is obviously one hell of a player. Twenty five million was uh, you know was Chris Wood, who was a bit of a panic buy because Wilson was injured for a lot longer than they first anticipated, I believe. Um, 
I know apparently we bidded thirty million for Ekatike, which looks like it might come off again in, in the summer, uh, which which would be a very interesting one. But I think you know the likes of Dan Byrne, you know, and Trippier, you know, collectively for thirteen and fifteen million, you know, the defence was our biggest issue. And I think to sign those two for that that level of money was actually a hell of a, a bit of business, really. Um, as you rightly said, Brad, ninety million quid in football in terms now. Is pittance, you know. Inflation is is everywhere, you know. Um, it's a hundred million quid for a Jack Grealish, you know, one player. You know, we signed five players, I think it was. You know, we signed Bruno, Wood, Byrne, Trippier, and Target on loan. So for ninety million quid for those five players that have, have definitely enhanced our team, you know, for me, it's money well spent. But as you, as you rightly said, you know, it's the it's the players that were already there that Eddie Howe has got to perform. I mean, Trippier got injured more or less after three games. Um, you know, so it's really burned Target and Bruno and obviously Wood hasn't been great either. You know, so if you look at the 90 million outlay, it's not really that much. And, and, and what he's got out of Joe Linton, John Joe Shelby, even Joe Willock as well. He got Joe Willock back, you know, and Emil Kraft, as you rightly said, he's gone from being crap to the Swedish Cafu, people have called him. So, um, you know, I, I think that's very understated by a lot of this salt in the media and the other fans. I'm, I'm with you, Brad. 90 million for me um, isn't a great deal. In terms of the summer... Um, Eddie Howe has been quite understated and played it down, but I do think they'll spend big on a, on a forward. Um, th- there's a lot of noise about Ekatike. Uh, I think that was close to coming off, but I think he's a very young player. We were bottom of the league, fair play to him. You know, he didn't want to take the risk of leaving where he was in France. You know, his family, I'm sure, and everything else to come to a relegated side that goes to the championship next season. Then he, he has to be on the move again. So it looks like that deal could potentially happen. Um, maybe sent half-wise. Uh, there's talk about Tarkovsky now, which is quite interesting, because I thought that was gone. Oh. But, you know, Diego Carlos yeah. is still mentioned and Sven Botman's either going to Milan or he still wants to come here. So I do think they'll spend a bit of money, but I don't think it'll be, you know, hundreds of millions of pounds. You know, I think it'll be, no. if it's if it's 50 or 60 million, maybe I'd be, I'd be surprised. Maybe some shrewd deals alongside it, maybe a Lingard on free or something like that potentially as well. Bolster the numbers. Alrighty, now on to the gaming context. So we're coming to the end of the season. This is kind of the time where most of the lads find themselves on a beach in Marbella and everybody has a great time. You know, we see some ridiculous wins and some ridiculous losses. Uh, For Arsenal, I think this game obviously means a lot more to the kind of end of our season. We're still a point ahead of Spurs. We need to win both of our last two games to get Champions League football unless they drop points. I guess from a Newcastle perspective, are you in the same boat where you want to continue this movement and continue uh, putting in good performances and winning games so you can go out on a high and make a statement of look how high we finished in the league after being rock bottom? Or like a lot of teams, is it time to kind of take the foot off the gas see out the rest of the season in kind of second or third gear so you don't risk any major injuries after what has been a grueling kind of two years worth of football for these players. Yeah, it's an interesting one, but I think the last two games we've got, um, obviously this one is is under the light of St. James's Park and there's something special about that. You know, certainly the atmosphere mm. now, I'm sure you've seen it on the TV, I've, I've sampled it, you know, the uh, the war flags, um, the, celebra- the, you know, the, kind of, the way they pump the crowd up, it's it's electric. It really, really is. It's it's you know hairs on the back of your neck type atmosphere. And I, I even think the Arsenal players will feel the difference when they come out. They'll think, my God, I've never seen anything like this. You know, I've, I've been supporting Newcastle 
a long, long time. I'm, I'm 40 now, sadly, and uh, I've been through the Keegan years, uh, the Robson years, and I've never known an atmosphere like this, never. Um, so I think they'll want to go out with a bang. I think we will definitely put in a shift. There's no question about that. Um, it'll be a tough game for Arsenal, I'm pretty sure about that. Um, we have a stinking record against you, though. My, my stat man bashed me up some figures here, which is awful. I think the last 53 league games, uh, Arsenal have won 33, we've won 10. We've scored 41 goals, you've scored 90 and uh, we've kept 11 clean sheets and you've kept 28. So the, the, the odds are against us. But there's two ways to look at that. We're either due one uh, or it'll just be more of, the, more of the same. But I think I think it'll be a hell of a game. I really do. But obviously, Arsenal, Arsenal have still got the chance of top four with you and Spurs. Uh, you guys, I'm sure, like every other fan, are hoping that Spurs just become Spursy again and bottle it like they do at the, the last minute <laughs> against Burnley. Um, but I think out They've of the two games, well, there you go. I think out of the two games, I think this will be the game that you see you see Newcastle with a chest out going for it because they'll, they'll want to give the fans something to go home in the summer with and, and be excited about. Though we'll want to give Eddie Howe, his coach and team, the players, you know, a, a appreciation and everything else. Well, so I think it will be. A hell of an atmosphere. It'll be a tough game. I mean, some of the boys on on my pod said, you know, we'll, we'll nick it two one. I could see it going either way. To be honest, I think it'll it could be you know it could be a draw, could be two one either side. But I think it's going to be a hell of a game, and I think the atmosphere will be will be incredible. Absolutely. And to kind of get your thoughts on you know how possible did you think this was when How came in? Did you think that you would survive? Were you like me and just thought that's it? Because this, this honestly is, I, I don't want to understate this, like one of the, like the greatest escapes of all time. No club, I think I mentioned earlier, has ever gone so long in the Premier League without winning a game and then stayed up. It looks mathematically impossible. I don't think any, but a lot of us could have seen it really, Brad. I mean, you know, Eddie Howe was up there for manager of the season. I voted for him, um, which you know, obviously I would do. But I think what he's achieved, what he's accomplished, you know, yeah, you can talk about, you know, Guardiola and Klopp and everything else. But I think, you know, to achieve what you've just said there is, is absolutely incredible. To, to do it in the set of circumstances, you know, 90 million be damned in January, you know, that, that, isn't, the, that isn't the reason why he did it. He did it because he changed, he changed the entire club's, ethos from top to bottom as did the owners obviously Amanda Staveley you know and, and, and Murdad as well you know they've got to take massive credit for what they've done you know coming in but I think a lot of fans me included I thought we were gone I really did Brad because we didn't get the new manager bounce either when he came in it was a real slow burn you know and and I thought oh god you know this uh, you, you could see even in that Brentford game there was a change to play you know there was a bit more zip there was a bit more move and you thought oh this is quite this is quite different but I was of a mindset of do you know what we kept Bruce too long. The damage is done. We'll go down. We'll rebuild. We'll come back up. You know. But then slowly but surely, the Eddie Howe effect started to started to take effect, and uh, you started to believe a bit more. You know, some fans are saying, "I never doubted him." I, I, I'm not sure I believe that. To be honest with you, Brad, we were all quite we were all quite chins on the floor at one point. You know, I think most Newcastle United fans, podcasts alike, we were all kind of you know getting ready for uh, Rotherham away or whatever it was next season. Do you know what I mean? We were, oh God, we, yeah. we were already checking pubs out, I think, down, down, down the road. But uh, but it's incredible achievement. It really is. And as you rightly say, mate, it can't be understated enough. I think people who, who do that, you know, it's more salt than anything else. You know, I think if you take take your, your blinkers off a little bit, you know, maybe the worry you have about Newcastle, you know, maybe jumping over you in the league or whatever, if that was your club in the situation that you were in, you'd want a statue of this guy outside. You know, it's it's unbelievable what he's done. And I'm just excited to see what he can do next season. Because to be fair, as fickle as football is, Brad, the pressure will be on him next season. 
you know, rightly or wrongly to, to, to push on and do something more on it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you mentioned earlier, to aim for kind of a solid top 10 finish, maybe pushing the top eight and then Europa League football and then Champions League football, the season, that kind of the season and then the season after. Taking this slow means you don't end up in a situation like Arsenal were in a few years ago where we were buying massive players on massive wages and then having to cancel contracts to get them out because nobody wanted them. Um, and what United, United have found themselves in, you know, if you look at the United wage structure, they've got three of the five most uh, expensively paid players in the league. And they look like they could finish seventh. And then let alone that, I think Arsenal's top play payer wouldn't even breach their top 15 or something, which is crazy. Crazy. It's you crazy. Know? And that's what you don't want to end up becoming. So it's good to kind of to take it slow and hopefully the uh, the curse of the manager of the month slash manager of the season nomination can happen for this one game uh, but we shall see uh, we'll move on to some prediction oh jeez dad not the car again oh happens all the time with old Betsy have you checked out Carvana yet they have thousands of cars for under $20,000 but do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy Betsy's held together by tape and there are raccoons living in the engine it's a family car uh there are flames on the hood ah custom paint job no dad the car's on fire how many cars did you say Carvana had visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000 we'll drive you happy at Carvana so a predicted lineup and a pred- predicted scoreline uh, for me I I'm going to back the boys I think that horrendous loss in the week and the you know the the circumstances around it uh, is going to have massively galvanised this young team and I think that like like Newcastle because it's their last home game we're going to come out fit and firing and if we have both of our centre backs back I can see us doing quite well I can see us winning this kind of 2-1 3-1 because I think that we're going to be desperate to do it and I think that it's kind of that that edge and that um, that aggression in play that might just get us over the line a predicted lineup I'm going to go off the basis that we have both of our centre-backs back so it'll be Ramsdale in goal White and Gabriel at centre-back Tommy Asu and Cedric well, no, I'd rather not see, ever see Cedric in a shirt again. So I'm going to go Tommy Asu and Tavares, who is another player who I'd like to not have to worry about. But here we are. Uh, El Nenny and Xhaka in the midfield. Um, Erdegaard there as well. And then Saka, Martinelli and Enketi are up top. What about you, mate? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's um, like you said, it's probably a big one if your centre-halves are, are fit and going, aren't they, really? I mean, we, we had a similar situation at City and, you know, I'm hoping that, that Fabian Shah comes back because, again, he's been another revelation under Eddie Howe. So I think for me, you know, I mean, regardless of his error at City, we don't have a better keeper. So you're looking at Dubravka again. I think Kieran Trippier will start this game. I think he'll come in and start last home game of the season. He'll want to start as well. He'll want to, you know, do his lap of honour and, you know, and give the fans a wave and everything as well. And he'll want to win the game. No doubt, no doubt about that. You know, the professional player he is. So you'll have, you know, Trippier, hopefully Shar and Byrne with Matty Target. Again, it'll be his last home game. Hopefully we get him back in the summer because he's been brilliant. Into the midfield, uh, I think Shelby is still injured. Uh, he was in Disneyland last week, which caused a bit of a stir, <laughs> which was a funny one. Uh, I wasn't too bothered myself. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think Willick's out. I think he's out indefinitely now, which is a shame because he would have loved to have played against his old club, I'm sure. So I think you're probably going to be looking at Bruno Joe Linton 
and, uh, and again maybe Longstaff comes in he was dreadful against City um, it depends if Howe wants to give him that chance um, in terms of the wide areas there's rumours that Ryan Fraser is back um, but I think he might be on the bench I don't think that especially Howe knowing his body so well because he's had the player for so long I don't think he'll risk him from the start so I think it'll probably be Almiron and, and St Maximin out wide and then I, I think Wilson will start I think he'll start Callum Wilson whether he plays the home game or not, the whole game or not, sorry, uh, remains to be seen. But yeah, and and that's probably, with the exception of of Longstaff, that's arguably our strongest team really. Um, if you take Miggy out for Fraser and and uh, Longstaff out for either Willock or Shelby, it's arguably our strongest team at the moment. So so I, I'm I'm looking forward to the game. I think we'll we'll give you a really good game. Uh, prediction wise, it's heart versus head probably, mate. I think my head probably tells me two one Arsenal, but my heart says two one Newcastle. So I'm going to go with a heart, mate. I want to say we we nick a two one uh, in wow. the end to Newcastle, just just to give the the fans uh, a great a great way to go home in the summer. But I know I'll probably live to regret that prediction probably Brandon there you'll be telling who me knows? on Twitter I got it wrong <laughs> who knows mate honestly who knows at this rate we will see and we'll I'll, I'll definitely send you a message post game because <laughs> after that Spurs result everything now becomes a bit more important and I'm I am yeah very nervous but it's it's uh ironically another stat for you the last time we won on a Monday night was against Newcastle back oh, in 2021 God. oh so. God. well we'll be on we'll be on a post-match review Brad so drop in the comments if I'm wrong and I'll happily eat humble pie live on oh, YouTube mate or, or <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in and apologize for being so so confident anyway uh, thank you so much for this this is great and it's it's oh, absolutely pleasure. great to hear from you know from a Geordie the uh the the revitalization of a, a, there, there are few clubs that I think are staples of the Premier League. I think Everton is one of them, and I'd, I'd be kind of it'd be a shame and remiss to see them go down. But Newcastle is one again that you just think when I think of the Premier League and my childhood, or just what I've seen, it is that black and white St James's Park. You know, it it's a staple of it. So to see you guys turn this around has been. Um, you know, I, I, obviously I love Arsenal, they're the main team, but I'm a massive fan of football and it has been a, a kind of a real joy of the season and a real story to see this this come to fruition. So thank you so much for coming on and talking about it with me. Oh, it's my pleasure, Brad. It, it's great to, to connect with other fans as well and, and talk to other fans in, in, in this kind of capacity. And it's it's brilliant to hear, you know, from a fan base that isn't, isn't so salty towards us. Like you say, we, we've had a similar wobble, is probably the right word, over the last few years. You know, you guys are obviously a lot higher than we are um, with our wobble. But but yeah, it's, I'm really excited about what Newcastle United can be. You know, go away in the summer, you know, safe in the knowledge we're a Premier League club, come back stronger and, uh, yeah, and uh, hopefully we can uh, start getting up towards the end of the Premier League where you guys are, mate. That's the that's the dream. Well, hopefully we'll be getting up there soon as well, getting up back, challenging, you know, Liverpool and City, though that seems to be a long way away. Anyways, uh, thank you again for coming on and please everyone head over to at evermore underscore NUFC, give it a follow. Uh, check out their post-match analysis uh, after the Arsenal game, either if you want to cry or if you want to gloat, depending on result. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on. Uh, and Chris's Twitter. Uh, do you have a personal Twitter that you use for football that you'd like to plug? I do, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm at, at Wig82 on Twitter as me. Um, yeah, and obviously I, I put the uh, the, the group... Um, 
Twitter handle on there. And as Brad says, you know, wherever more NUFC on uh, YouTube, um, if you're a Newcastle fan watching this, you know, you haven't followed us, please do so. But yeah, if you're an Arsenal fan and you want a bit of banter, we love a bit of banter. You know, we're, we're not one of those guys who get scared of that. So please jump in the comments after after the game on Monday. We'll, we'll, we'll gladly eat humble pie if uh, if Brad's prediction has come to pass, which looking at the previous stats, it might very well do. <laughs> well, we shall see. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and making it this far. Keep it diff knock and we will see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.